Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Once again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it teaches us. We thank you for the, the many women in our lives that have played a, a mentoring and, and motherly role in them. We pray that you would bless them today as we, as we think of them. Lord, we thank you that your word is timeless and true. It's not bound to any culture. It's not bound to any language or, or, or people group. It's for everyone. It's for anyone and everyone. Because your spirit you give to anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. And Lord, we thank you that with that prayer, with that commitment, with that surrender to you through the blood of Jesus Christ, we enter into a new family. We have families here on this earth. But Lord, we thank you that you have blessed us with a spiritual family, with you as our father, Jesus as our king and our brother, the Holy Spirit as our intercessor and our seal, and brothers and sisters that we can rely on and, and speak with and, and walk through life with. Lord, we thank you for this family that you've given to us called the church. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you tired of flat, boring hairstyles? Do you go through a can of hairspray trying to get that full volumized look? Every time your cell phone rings, you've got to find it and then pick it up just to see who's calling. And if you try to drop it up so you can see it, your cell phone's constantly falling. Are you tired of fussing with giant pasta pots, strainers, timers, stirring, and testing just for a plate of pasta? Tired of waiting for a big pot of water to boil and breaking the pasta to make it fit? When it's time to strain, it can be a pain. We all love homemade soups and sauces, but who wants to stand in front of a stove for hours stirring? And if you happen to step away, you can end up burning your food. You can crack them this way. You can crack them that way. And we've all done this. But no matter how you crack them, you always end up picking out eggshells. You cut, rip, and tear. But your brownies never turn out square. And when they're stuck, you're totally out of luck. Do bulky storage containers set off an avalanche in your kitchen? Is finding a lid almost impossible? And why is shelf space at such a premium? You want to keep warm when you're feeling chilled, but you don't want to raise your heating bill. Blankets are okay, but they can slip and slide. And when you need to reach for something, your hands are trapped inside. Bending over to put your shoes on is a back-breaking chore. One wrong step, you could end up on the floor. And trying to get them off can hurt even more. No more wrinkles, clothes trying to get your shoes on. No more scuffing and damaging your shoes. Squish, squash, smush. You can churn away till your arms fall off, or you can fight with this contraption. It's impossible to close an open can with a pop top. Open cans spill in the fridge. What a mess. Sometimes removing pans from the oven can be too hot to handle. Ouch! Or that dish can slip, causing a big mess. Everyone knows that laptop computers don't work very well in your lab. They can get hot, uncomfortable, and even fall. Are you tired of ordinary mops making a wet mess of your floors, pushing messes around, and wasting money on costly disposable pads? Sleeping on the couch just gets old. You're uncomfortable, and your feet are even cold. Juicing machines with all those confusing parts can be a hassle. Blenders and expensive stand mixers can leave you with a clean-up nightmare. We all use soap to keep us clean, but bars have sent us sloppy and slimy. Pump dispensers.
home look beautiful, but having to water them all the time can be a big job. Forget to water them and they can end up looking like this. Give them too much water and you can end up with a big mess. Love to shop for shoes, but there's no place to store them. You try stacking them, hanging them, protecting them in their boxes, but you're always running out of room to store more. Believe it or not, those are actual openings to real infomercials. Uh, has anyone here ever had that much trouble with soap, trying to get it out, trying to wash your hands, or running out of room for all the shoes that they have that they just can't seem to stop buying? See, most people wouldn't wonder why they needed any of these products, and that thought would never cross their minds. So these companies have to create these over-the-top situations that would never really happen in the real world to create the need for their products, making you wonder, how in the world did I ever survive without this product before? But oppositely, the need for prayer for us as humans has always been there. The problem is that most of the time, we don't think we need it. We don't need to create a problem for a solution. It's the solution is already there. We just never think about it. However, like we talked about last week, we as humans were originally created by the Trinity of the Godhead to have the capability and the ability to have spiritual fellowship and connection with the creator of the universe. God didn't need to do that. But in his perfect love, he wanted to do that. He wanted to be able to connect with us on a profound and deep spiritual level, unachievable by any human intelligence, convention, or wisdom. Because of that, just like a car needs fuel to operate at all and go anywhere, we as humans need prayer in order to function in the way God intended. See, if you have a car and all the parts are there, but you never put any fuel in it, is that going to get you anywhere? No, it's just going to still sit there. God did not intend for us to be stuck in a rut, never going anywhere, and treading water. In fact, he designed at the point of our creation this need to be connected to him and his power in order to live this life. So prayer, in its very bare-bones essence, is not something we tack onto our lives or when we're in danger or when we need or want something. It is integral to our very being in order to live this earthly life. Why do you think that Jesus, even as the second person of the Trinity, the Son, when he took on human flesh, needed to spend hours every night in spiritual connection to the Father for His strength and power. But yet we, we think we can go for days without being spiritually connected to that strength and power. Last week we looked at the what and the, and the how of prayer. What is prayer? What is going on when we pray? And how we should pray? This week, in the second part of our two-part mini-series on prayer, we're looking at the why of prayer. Why must we pray? We touched on this last week, but the early church fully understood the why and the need for prayer. In fact, Dr. Luke records for us in the book of Acts that they were continually devoting themselves to prayer. 
The early church knew without a shadow of a doubt that prayer was vital to not only the furtherance of the gospel and the church, but crucial to their very lives and testimony. So why must we, both as individuals and as a church family, also continually devote ourselves to prayer? Well, we have two answers. The first one is the general answer, and then we'll get to the specific answer. If you brought your Bible with you, turn to Ephesians chapter eight. We're going to be in uh, chapter six, rather. We're going to be in verse eighteen. If you didn't, there should be one located in the pew in front of you. Please also turn there. It's in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter six, verse eighteen, and we read: "With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints." This is probably the strongest verse in the entire Bible that drives us to be in prayer all the time. We talked last week about how the more we pray, the bigger our faith grows, and in turn, the bigger our prayers grow. It goes directly hand in hand with our spiritual transformation by the Holy Spirit. We ended last week's message with this verse. This is the confidence which we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. We talked last week about how there is no magic formula for praying and moving the hand of God. And the next book that comes out about divulging the secret to effective prayer, you can just leave out of your Amazon cart. We saw from scripture how with the continual day-by-day surrendering of ourselves and our wills to the Holy Spirit's transformation, the more he will reveal more and more of God's will to us, and the more our prayers will be aligned with God's will. Everything that is prayed and aligned with God's will, no matter how audacious or huge that request is in connection with what we looked at with Jesus' declaration about praying in faith in Matthew 21, even something as huge as telling a mountain to just take a short walk off a long, uh, a, a long walk off a short pier into the ocean and it'll do it, it will happen. It will happen as we just saw in 1 John 5, 14 through 15, because it was already in God's plan. It was aligned with God's will. So praying in faith does not mean just praying hard enough or believing it will happen hard enough or praying really loudly or closing your eyes really tightly or saying the perfectly right words or using some magic formula. It's a believing that God can do it and if it's his will, he will do it. How do we know what that is? Minute by minute, surrendering all of ourselves to the Spirit's faith growth in us. The more we surrender, the more He'll grow our faith, and the more our prayers will grow. There's something unexplainably deeply spiritually going on when we pray. In fact, the Greek word used for prayer is derived from the word for exchange and the word for wish. According to one biblical scholar, it conveys an ongoing interaction with God 
whereby we present our human wishes to God, and in the process, the Holy Spirit changes what we thought we needed and wanted and shows us what God really wants for us. The word that prayer is derived from is more closely connected to faith. That is a divine persuasion. That's what the definition of faith is, a divine persuasion. As our relationship with God grows, our interaction with him during prayer changes. When we first come to faith in God through Jesus and our spiritual immaturity, all we can pray are superficial and surface-level prayers. Especially at that stage of our spiritual growth, what Paul describes in Romans 8 is true. That the Holy Spirit is interceding for us to the Father with imperceptible groans. And as the Holy Spirit grows us and God's will is revealed more and more to us through our spiritual transformation, our prayers become divinely persuaded. Our human wishes are replaced by the Holy Spirit by things we should be praying for in faith and according to God's will. That is not to say that our spiritually immature prayers are not answered the, the, the way that God wants to answer them, but that the more our faith grows, the more the Holy Spirit persuades us to pray for things more in line with God's will. So rather than that being a discouragement, it's a big encouragement to, as we pray more, our faith growing more, which then directly affects those prayers because they're becoming more and more in line with God's will. And as our prayers come more and more into alignment with God's will, as persuaded by the Holy Spirit, even the audacious ones, the more God's power will be unleashed and unimpeded by our human selfishness and spiritual immaturity. And so, as Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. The power of God being unleashed and unimpeded by our spiritual immaturity and human selfishness. This is the general principle that guides our prayer life. That we need to be spiritually connected to God. Both because he wants to hear from us our struggles, requests, joys, weaknesses, confessions, heartaches, and just how our day went, but also for our survival as believing humans living in this dark and evil world. You cannot just coast through this life. Give that up. Stop thinking that. You cannot just coast through this life. We were not built that way. You will not spiritually survive in the incredibly hostile and deceiving world we are meant to be lights in without daily communion and fellowship and connection with the one who gives us life and power. We were created to not be able to live this life without God's power flowing into and through us. If you always feel spiritually weak, spiritually depressed, fearful, anxious, and just flat out empty, the obvious and in-your-face answer is that you're not recognizing that you have to plug yourself into God's power. You have to. The way we plug into God's power is through 
prayer. Medications can have their place to help us mentally, psychologically, and emotionally, but I guarantee you that that will never be enough. I guarantee you. The ultimate source for processing through things and seeing things the way that God wants you to see them is through continually devoting ourselves to staying connected to him. Continually devoting ourselves to prayer rises us up above our circumstances and situations so that no longer is our joy connected to our circumstances and situations. That's why Paul notes it as a fruit of the Spirit. We cannot muster up joy, nor can we find it in anything this world has to offer. How do we have it? In prayer, as the Holy Spirit grows it in us. No longer is our strength based on ourselves and what we can muster up. No longer is the power to survive, but not only survive, but unexplainably thrive in this world, no matter what the situation or heartbreak we go through, based on what we can do. The source of God's power is through spiritual connection with Him, both in daily surrender to the Holy Spirit and through communion with Him in prayer. See, Paul knew all of this. That's why I, I, he, he instructed the Ephesian church to pray at all times. Notice what he says, how he clarifies that. Pray at all times in the Spirit. That's how he clarifies it. We've already talked about what the phrase in the Spirit means. Now Paul says, pray at all times. It doesn't matter what it is. There are no prayers that are too small or too big. Jesus instructs us to ask God for our daily bread in his model prayer for us. But he also says to ask for it and leave it there. Leave it in God's hands. Don't keep snatching it back. Pray for it and leave it there. Leave it in God's hands. Jesus says to tell God what we need, for he wants to hear it, but then to trust him with it. What's the point of asking him for it and then saying, well, I'm going to keep worrying about it. I'm not going to trust you with it. I'll ask you for it, but I'm not going to trust you to give it to me. But Jesus says, what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf of bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If then you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? We ask him, and then we trust him with it. If we simply make our requests for needs known to God and then leave them there, we are freed up to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. All these things that we could be worrying about, having, will be added to you. We're freed up to seek first his kingdom. That's why Paul says to present our requests with thanksgiving. Thanks to God for past answered prayer. Thanks to God for knowing he hears us. And thanks to God that we can trust him with everything that we need. And when we do that, we are freed from the anxiety and fear that goes along with the world. Not only are we freed, but our hearts and minds are guarded by God himself from anxiety and fear trying to worm their way in. 
he writes to the Philippians, don't worry about anything. I don't think any clearer sentence could be written on the subject. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, trust Him with it, and thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can possibly understand. His peace will guard. It's a military guard. The word used there is for a military guard. Guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The more we seek to grow our faith, and the more we surrender every area of our lives to the Holy Spirit's transformation, you will be surprised how your prayers change and how you see God moving in powerful and miraculous ways. You'll be surprised. We must be fully reliant on God's strength and power in our everyday lives if we're going to see any change. We must be fully reliant on God's strength and power in our everyday lives if we're going to be released from anything, from fear, depression, human weakness or inadequacy, anxiety, guilt, or shame. We must fully be reliant on God's strength and power in our everyday lives if we're going to see any spiritual growth and therefore prayer growth. Why? Because beyond our flesh and what we feel, see, taste, and hear, we are also, in a very real way, spiritual beings conceived with a soul which will last for eternity in full communion and fellowship with Almighty God. And because of that, there is a constant spiritual war going on all around us. Sometimes we catch glimpses of that, but it's mostly unseen. You've heard many preachers make the statement, if we knew, if we could see what was going on in the unseen spiritual world, we would be paralyzed from fear. It's no surprise that God's exhortation for the Ephesian church to remain alert and to persevere in prayer for all believers all around the world comes right after his revelation of the intense spiritual warfare going on all around us without rest and the cruciality of us putting on the full armor of God in response. Paul writes just before our passage this morning, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. You can't see them but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That should drive us to our knees on a minute-by-minute -minute basis. But that's one of the very first things we forget every day, isn't it? Why? Why is that? Why is that the, one of the very first things we always forget about? Because there's an obvious reason for that. Because our enemy wants to deceive us into forgetting about it. But when we pray, we are literally putting on God's armor and going into battle. That's what's going on. What are people who pray all the time called? What's the term for them? Prayer warriors, right? Why is that? Why are only certain people, a few people that we can count on one hand, called 
prayer warriors? Why are only certain people described as prayer warriors when we should all be described as prayer warriors? If you want to continue to be beat up, deceived, and weakened by the enemy, keep not praying. The last thing our enemy wants is for us to suit up and jump into the fray by praying. That's why it's so easy not to pray. That's why it's usually the very last thing on our minds. But really, prayer is the only thing we can do to fight in this spiritual war. Prayer is the only thing we can do to fight in the spiritual war over our temptations, in the spiritual war over our country, in the spiritual war over unborn children, in the spiritual war over our families, in the spiritual war over our marriages, and the spiritual war over the church. Prayer is joining with God in the unseen spiritual world and imploring Him to fight against spiritual tides of evil all over believers all around the world, over us, over our families, and over our church. It's crying out to Him to reveal the schemes and fiery arrows of the evil one pointed right at us and to protect us from them. It's pleading with him to smash and break chains of darkness, to rescue lives, and to impart salvation and faith to those headed for destruction. In this spiritual war, who do you think are the ones having the biggest targets on their backs, slapped there by the enemy? Those in spiritual leadership. Pastors, elders, deacons, and those teaching the Bible. That's why, again, coming off the heels of this description of spiritual warfare, Paul flat out says, And pray for me. Please pray for my, on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Those on the front lines need supply lines through prayer, to continue to stand strong against the spiritual onslaught and remain strong and biblical in ministry. Let us all be known as prayer warriors, those not afraid to fight and those empowered by the Holy Spirit to pray powerful prayers against the forces of darkness, not only in the unseen world, but also in our seen world. And that's what brings us to our last point this morning. Talked about the general answer, why we must be praying. Secondly, the specific answer. In our nation, we've often been lulled into a sleep of not connecting spiritual warfare to our daily lives and especially to our prayers because the enemy knows he doesn't need to be that blatant with us. He can use more subtle means of distracting us from prayer. Materialism, self-sufficiency, and a focus on what this world has and can offer. We're not forced to fully rely on our spiritual connection with Almighty God because at this point we live in a nation where religious freedom is protected for the most part. In churches all around the world where persecution is prevalent, however, it's a much different story. The forces of darkness are much more visible when your life is at risk simply from worshiping your God. Believers in the persecuted church 
recognize the importance of prayer to their daily lives because they are daily forced, they, they are daily faced with the reality of spiritual warfare and the imperative reliance on connection to God's power. It's not that we are not under spiritual attack in this country too. It just looks different, but is no means a reason to not be compelled to pray in the Spirit at all times. Women every day are deciding whether or not to make the difficult decision of terminating the life of their unborn children. Children and teenagers are being indoctrinated that there is no God and are becoming enslaved by alcohol, marijuana, and opioids. People of all ages are overdosing or committing suicide because they can't find a way of the darkness they're in. Do you not think we're under spiritual warfare here? Churches are constantly under spiritual attack by forces both outside and inside the church. The word of God is being distorted, ignored, neglected, and abused by ministers and is being used to lead people to further destruction. Infighting and church splits are tarnishing the church's reputation for unity and compromising people's faith. People are not growing in spiritual maturity because the word of God is not being handled accurately or lovingly. That which is called evil by God is now encouraged as a perfectly acceptable lifestyle. Families are falling apart because of infidelity, behavioral immaturity, and just plain flat-out selfishness. Responsibility and hard work are cast by the wayside. Husbands and fathers are abandoning their families or not stepping up as the loving spiritual leaders of their families. Cancer and other terminal illnesses are taking family members at an alarming rate. So, church, are we in the middle of spiritual warfare that we must be fighting in prayer in? Absolutely, yes. So, what are we doing about it? Are we as individuals coming before Almighty God in the power and revelation of the Spirit to implore Him to change things, to break chains, to rescue souls, and to take back territory from the enemy? Are we as a church coming before Almighty God in the power and revelation of the Spirit to implore Him to change things, to break chains, to rescue souls, and to take back territory from the enemy? Are we as individuals taking a look at every area of our personal lives and seeing to it that every area is being surrendered to the Holy Spirit's transformation so our faith and therefore our prayers can grow? Are we utilizing that spiritual and prayer growth in coming together as Christ's church to multiply that prayer growth to God? Don't let the world tell you that there are more important things than connecting with the God of the universe whose power is the only thing that will change anything in our lives and our church. Don't let your human body get the best of you. Don't let the enemy deceive you into not putting your spiritual fellowship with God, really your lifeline, before anything else. Let's just be honest with ourselves. 
We all know things need to change in our lives, in our faith, and in our prayers. We all know that we can surrender more, grow more, and pray more, both as individuals and as a church body. My challenge to all of us is, church, let's not be content with mediocrity anymore. Let us all collectively, as one church and one local body of Christ, see that God is calling us right here and right now to make some changes. Let us all recognize the power of prayer and why we must be doing it on a daily basis. Let us all be empowered by the Holy Spirit to exercise our prayers as he grows our faith and reveals more and more of God's will and what we should be praying for. Let us recognize the spiritual war going on all around us, our families, our church. Not just recognize, but be driven to jump into the fray in fighting through prayer. Let us, as one local army, not be fighting little skirmishes here and there as individuals, but band together as one platoon and take on these battles together as one. Every Wednesday evening at 7.15 p.m., we have the gift and opportunity to do just that. Don't neglect that gift and opportunity to come together as one platoon, taking these battles head-on as one force. Take full advantage of it as we have one time set aside each week that is simply focused on spiritually connecting as one with the God of the universe whose power will be the only power that will change anything in our lives and in this world. I want to solidify this morning's verses once again in our hearts and minds so we don't forget their extreme importance to our lives and church. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, all the believers, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this powerful and challenging couple of verses in your word. Lord, I pray that this would not go in one ear and out the other. I pray that not one of us would think that we're doing perfectly fine in, in how we're praying and, and how often we're praying and what we're praying, how we're connecting to you. But Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would seek you, would be honest with ourselves and be honest with you and say, Lord, I surrender everything. Please change what needs to be changed. I, I know what needs to be changed. Empower me to do that to make different changes, to make different decisions that need to be made so that I can be fully spiritually connected to you on a minute-by-minute -minute basis. Lord, thank you that you created us, that we cannot survive or live in this world without being plugged into your power and your strength. So Lord, I pray that you would remove the scales from our eyes and we would see plainly that we need to be plugged into you every minute of every day. We need to be fully reliant on your strength and power as we enter into this spiritual war going all on all around us, clothed with the armor of God so that we can stand firm. 
And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.